All right, we will continue on in our study in the book of Jonah. Excuse me. Last week, you'll remember we left off. Jonah is now in the belly of the fish after being thrown into the sea. Uh, He was thrown in and swallowed by this great fish. And we looked at, we began to look at this prayer of Jonah's in the second chapter of Jonah. And we saw what a great privilege that is ours, as was it Jonah's, to be able to call on the Lord in times of distress. We also looked at being able to call on him when we're not in distress. We saw how Jonah, in these moments, fell back to the word of God, the word that he had hidden in his heart, and what a great treasure that is in our lives to have the word of God hidden in our heart. And as I was thinking through that and reflecting on last week's lesson and preparing for this lesson, I thought about some training that we do at work, and one of the things that we do is we try to train and build muscle memory and repetition so that if we get in a situation that is stressful, that's overwhelming, that we just fall back to our training so that we just do what we're trained to do. And I think, spiritually speaking, as we study the Word, as we hide it in our hearts, as we commit it to our walk, our memory, our lives, when times of distress and trouble come, we should fall back on our training. This is training what we're doing here this morning, what we do in our own lives. And Jonah found that in those moments of distress, he had the Word in his heart. He had something there to cling to. To, to treasure, to utilize. We also talked about Jonah being three days and three nights, and that's where we see him now, and we'll see him here for the next couple of weeks. In, in my mind, I needed to be reminded that that's a long time to be stuck in the belly of a fish. Again, I can't relate or understand what that would be like, but just to be in a dark, uncomfortable place, I don't know that it was what the climate might have been. It could have been warm or cold. I don't know that for certain, but it was dark, probably didn't smell great, In three days and three nights, there is a long time. And lastly, we looked at how that is a picture also that three days and three nights of our Savior and his death, burial, and resurrection. So, picking up there again, we will now jump to verse 3 of Jonah 2 and read 3 through 6. Jonah 2 and 3 says, You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Again, a lot to get to in this passage today. But we'll pick up here where it says, you have cast me into the deep there in verse 3. The heart of the seas is where Jonah found himself, in the belly of this fish surrounded by the floods. But as we find Jonah here, again, we might feel sorry for him just on a natural level to be in this situation. But this is exactly what Jonah wanted. If you remember back to the first chapter in verse 3, it says, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. He was fleeing From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. This is is what Jonah was desiring. He got what he asked for in a sense. Again, uh, you know, in our lives sometimes as children, I remember, you know, I really want this, I really want this, and and begging my parents to let me do something or do this. Or those, those moments of where 
I just wanted to get my first job so that I could get a paycheck. And then I was waking up to go to work every day and realized, yeah, this isn't as fun as I imagined it was going to be. Yeah, the, the paycheck is cool, but um, getting up early and working and not being with my friends or sleeping in or doing what I wanted isn't so much fun. Jonah, maybe he didn't give the, the forethought to what he was really doing or thinking, and he acted on emotion. He acted passionately in those moments. But he fled the Lord, he boarded the ship, and he, he is now in a position exactly where he wanted to be. He wanted to be far from the Lord, and the Lord allowed it to come to pass. Let's turn to Psalms 88, and we'll read uh, verses 1 through 7 here. And again, we see some of this language. As we mentioned last week also, a lot of these, these words, these languages, these phrases that Jonah utters throughout chapter 2 are reflective of the Psalms. There's a lot of Psalms, and we'll read, and I'll reference, we won't maybe not read all of them today, Many psalms that, that we see come through in Jonah's prayer. And again, that's that privilege of hiding the word in our heart, of calling out to the Lord in these words. But we see here this uh, prayer of despondency, this prayer for help. Um, here it's from the sons of Korah this psalm is written. But let's pick up in verse 1, Psalm 88. It says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I have cried out to you day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and whom are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness and depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves." Again, very similar language to what Jonah is uttering himself here in chapter 2. But he's reflecting, he's saying, the deep closed around me. The psalmist here reflecting from a position of being disheartened, despondent, a loss of hope. Jonah himself feeling isolated, alone, maybe forgotten. And I, I would have to wager in your lives, I know it's been true in mine, there's times where I've felt this way too, where I have felt alone. Not maybe forsaken by the Lord, but certainly forgotten at times. This is, this is what Jonah was feeling, and it wasn't just figurative. Jonah was literally in the depths. He was in the depths of the sea, feeling like the world was slipping away. The surface was up here, and he was going down. This language used by the psalmist here, I think, is pretty vivid and graphic. To be adrift among the dead. Again, I don't want to get graphic, but just thinking of that picture of what it would be to be drifting among dead bodies. Again, that, that is horrific, really, to think about it. But that's what Jonah felt in this moment. He was in a deep, deep sense of sorrow. Jonah was free, feeling that what he thought he wanted to be out of the presence of the Lord, he was feeling it, experiencing it. And these were all brought upon himself. He was in the belly of that fish in the depths of the sea, and I think, again, I don't have any scripture to back this up, but I don't think that great fish just stood still or floated still. I don't know. A fish doesn't stand, I guess. But I don't think that fish was still. I think it moved. I think it swam. I think it literally went deeper at times. And we know if you've been underwater, even at shallow depths, I can think of a pool that we had by our house in Colorado. It was 12 or 15 feet. And I would swim to the bottom of that to pick up toys that the kids would drop. And my ears hurt. And again, that's only 12 or 13 feet of water. But even in that shallow of water, there's pressure that we feel on our body physically. You can imagine being in the depths of this fish, in the depths of the ocean. Again, I'm guessing that 
there was probably some really eerie silences or noises in that darkness. I would presume there was a lot of reflection being done in these three days by Jonah, and I'm guessing there was also a good degree of guilt and wondering what he had done. I would also speculate that the accuser of the brethren didn't stand silent in these moments. In Jonah's failure, I'm guessing the enemy was right there reminding him how big of a failure that he was. Our enemy is always quick to pile on to affirm our failures, to encourage us to give up and give in. Jonah was realizing the depths of this darkness and what life was outside the presence of the Lord, though he wasn't really outside of his presence. When we choose our own past and forsake his, we get a glimpse of what that darkness is. The world got a glimpse of that darkness back in Luke chapter 23. We'll turn over there real quickly. When our Lord was crucified, we know there was darkness all over the earth. In Luke 23, we'll read verses 44 through 46. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil was torn in two. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Again, just a a glimpse of what darkness is without the Lord. The darkness that covered the whole earth. Again, it must have been, I would have had to imagine that people had to ask the question, what is going on? Why did the entire world just go dark in this minute, in those moments that our Lord is being crucified? It was just a preview and a glimpse of how dark this world will get, how dark this world is without Christ when man rejects him. A warning that should have been heeded, a warning for us to remember that darkness comes when we shut out the light. Just naturally, if we were to close all these blinds on these windows, it wouldn't get dark in here because there are other windows but it would be darker than it was with the blinds wide open. What a great blessing it is for the child of God to not have to live in darkness, not to have any part of the darkness. Paul reminds the Ephesians to walk in the light. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He goes on to say, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Though once darkness, we are no longer there again. Some of you, most of you, were saved as very young children, and that is a tremendous blessing to not know what the darkness of life is without the Lord. Again, I was only 16 when I came to know the Lord, but I had plenty of life without him. To remember just how dark and hopeless this life is without the light of the Lord. How blessed we are to have that light, to walk in that light despite what feels dark and heavy around us. The Lord shines brightly if we simply just turn and look. Jonah goes on in verse 4 that he says, I feel like I'm cast out of your sight. In Psalm 77, 7 through 9, we see Asaph here writing many questions, a series of about six questions here in in this short passage. But Asaph says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in his anger, shut up his tender mercies? Again, these were feelings that, that Jonah was having cast off. But again, just because we have these feelings and we have these questions, we experience these things even in our own lives, it doesn't mean that they're 
always rational. We might come to these points, come to these questions in our lives, but can God forget? No, we have the word confirmed to us that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. But we've had questions, we've had doubts, we've had fears in our lives. As the psalmist writes here, six question marks in this short passage. The answer to them all is no. No, the Lord doesn't forget. He doesn't cease his mercy. He doesn't shut up his tender mercies. They're always there available to all of us. But Jonah found him in this place where he was feeling like that. But what we must recognize, and I think what the Lord is teaching Jonah here, is that this was all by his choice. This was all his fault, really. This was his desire to get away from the presence of the Lord, and the Lord was allowing him to experience and feel just a glimpse of what that would be like. Man's will will never overrule God's. We know that the Lord works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works according to the good pleasure of his will. But by his foreknowledge, he orders events. He permits and allows man to make choice. And those choices sometimes are bad choices and have consequences. Again, we can think all the way back to Genesis and Cain and his jealousy, his pride. And what was the exhortation? Go on. Sin lies at the door. Don't let it just wait there. Don't let it just be there to snatch you up. You can overcome this if you trust in me. And of course, we know Cain chose otherwise. But as Joshua exhorts, choose this day. We must choose this day to serve him. God doesn't force us to. If he forced us to do his will, we would just be robots. We would be puppets. And that is not love. Love is a choice. It's a reflection. It's an appreciation. It's an apprehension of understanding the benevolence of what God has done for us. Just as in a natural relationship, again, I ask my children, they're much older now, but when they were younger, do this, clean up, pick up, do all these things. You would assign chores and things like that. And again, I could probably grab the back of their neck and force them to pick up their toys, but even that was a struggle. I had to educate them, train them, help them to understand that, one, there's good things to be clean and orderly, but there's also chores, there's also work to do. And you want to do these things because you love the person that you're doing them for. That's what makes a healthy relationship. Jonah goes on to say in the same passage in verse 4, he says, Yet all these things that I'm questioning and doubting in my heart, he says, Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Again, language from the Psalms that, that sounds familiar to us. As the psalmist writes here in, in Psalm 5, we won't turn there for time's sake. But he says, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy and the fear of you. I will worship towards your holy temple. Again, what a blessing is ours in those times when we are struggling, when those times when we are feeling like we have been cast out, overwhelmed, going under the flood. The Lord is always there for us to turn and worship toward his holy temple. How blessed we are that God is not like us. That when we mess up, when we fall short, we can turn to him. And as a loving father, he doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't give us the cold shoulder. Again, we all have relationships we've been in where we've upset somebody or maybe knowingly or unknowingly. And we just get the cold shoulder from that person. That, that's so, it's just such a bad situation to be in. And how great it is to know that when I fail... My Lord's never going to turn his face away from me, turn his nose up at me. He's going to welcome me back 
with open arms. Jesus' invitation is, come unto me. Jonah's very life was threatened. In verse 5, he goes on to say, I'm swept under the waters. The waves have engulfed me in seaweed. Flood surround me. Again, language from the Psalms, deep unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls and the waves and your billows have gone over me. That's great distress and near death. Again, maybe we haven't been to that level of distress in our lives, but I'm sure we've had feelings of being overwhelmed, even in situations that aren't something we've done wrong, like fleeing from the Lord. Paul utters these words in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our troubles which came unto us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Again, sometimes this is just a part of life. There's just burdens and stresses to living this life. But the Apostle Paul here was in a spot even in his own life, the Apostle Paul, where he said, we were burdened beyond measure. The weight was overwhelming where we despaired even of life. Again, hardships and trials come just because of evil in this world, just because of sin in this world. There's times we can find ourselves cast down and overwhelmed. Jonah goes on to say, he says, the waters have surrounded me. David in Psalm 69 says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink into deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Our suffering oftentimes feels unique. And we talked about Jonah last week. Again, his situation was probably unique. We don't read about somebody else being swallowed by a fish. We, we don't know anybody else to sw- be swallowed by a fish, live there for three days, and then come back. But the trials, all this stuff that he's experiencing, that he's praying about, that, that is recorded for us here, are all things that we have been through ourselves These feelings of being overwhelmed, burden beyond measure, stress, anxiety, waters up to your neck. Again, just naturally speaking, if you've been in deep water before and it's up to your neck and you're treading water, yeah, you might be comfortable in treading there for a while, but you know that 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 position can't be held forever. And as you have water up to your neck and you can't touch below you, that's just a position that isn't always comfortable Our tendency is to let's swim to the side of the pool or the shore or wherever it may be to get to a position where we can put our feet on solid ground. Last week we had a wonderful lesson from our pastor on the lifeline that is the Lord. He mentioned Peter again. Peter stepped out of that boat, started to walk on water, but when he looked away from the Lord, he began to sink. Again, whether Peter went down to his neck or over his head, I don't know for certain. But Peter cried out, Lord, save me. That's where Jonah is coming to in his own life. He's turning and crying out to the Lord. It doesn't necessarily mean that the water goes away, that the water goes from being to our neck to our waist. It just means that we know we have an assurance, a strength, a hope in our Lord. Jonah says in verse 6 of that second chapter, The moorings or the roots and foundations of the mountains are where I'm headed, into the depths, um, the depths of the earth, under the sea. He said, I went down, but you brought me up. Up from the pit, Jonah had not yet come to dry land, but he was already starting to see the Lord's deliverance and understanding that the Lord would keep him and deliver him. Not necessarily that this meant he was going to be vomited onto dry land. I don't think Jonah had 
any inclination into that as of yet. But he understood it was the Lord that was going to bring him up from this pit. It was the Lord that would bring deliverance. In Psalms 30, in verses 2 and 3, we read this, O Lord my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Jonah was seeing this deliverance. He was seeing that there was an option, an outlet to come up and out of this miry pit. Again, that was mentioned last week. Again, not necessarily that the Lord was going to preserve his life and put him back onto dry ground, but that his life would be saved in the Lord. He was beginning to recognize those moments of haste that he cried out and said that I am cut off and that that he was feeling alone. He made some hasteful decisions, some moments and decisions of emotion. How blessed we are to be able to turn to the Lord who hears us, who never forsakes us. Jonah is learning this and we'll continue on in Jonah's prayer. Let's go back to Jonah 2 and we'll read verses 7 through 9. Jonah 2, verse 7 says, When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Again, we begin to see that hope that Jonah is experiencing, but before we get there, we'll look at verse 7 a little bit closer to wrap up this morning. Jonah saying, my soul fainted. David in the Psalms, he also said, I feel like I'm poured out like water. My heart is like like wax. It is melted within me. Again, Jonah was feeling very desperate, very weak, very at his wit's end. And again, just naturally speaking, have you ever been at the point of fainting? Have you ever fainted naturally? And maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I have been there where you just feel lightheaded. And your body, the reason you're fainting is your body wants to get flat so that it can stabilize itself. Again, spiritually speaking, the Lord was bringing Jonah to his knees, to a flatness, to a humbling, to understand his grace and his mercy and his compassions that fail not. Jonah's prayer went up to the Lord. It went up to his temple, as he said, despite being at the brink of death. He remembered the Lord acting on his behalf. This word that he had hidden in his heart, the promises that he had. Again, I think of the prodigal son. And Jonah is very much an example, an Old Testament example. And that's microscopic. I apologize for that. But in Luke 15, 17, I'll read it to you. It says, But when he came to himself, that is the prodigal son, he came to himself, he remembered, he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And you know what happened. The Lord welcomed him, or excuse me, the father welcomed him, put a robe on him, killed the fatted calf. How blessed Jonah was. He went out and was so-called the prodigal son of the Old Testament. But when he turned, his father was there waiting Against hope, Jonah begins to believe and turns to the Lord. He remembers that word in his heart and speaks as if deliverance was actually being accomplished in that moment. Hezekiah, again, he was mentioned last week too. 
After his life was extended, he said, But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. How great our Lord is to take our sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. Again, we are blessed to have this great peace and privilege that the Lord offers to us. Job's In, in the book of Job, it says, Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with the man to bring back his soul from the pit that me, he may enlighten him with the light of life. God's desire is for us to be enlightened, to not be anywhere in the darkness. Jonah is remembering this. He is moving on. He is coming back to his senses, if you will. But for us, what greater blessing is ours? What greater privilege is ours to not go into the fish, the belly of the fish? Again, to avoid the darkness, as we talked about last week, Jonah could have had this same conversation with the Lord before he fled. As a privilege of ours, a blessing of our daily living in the presence of the Lord, even if we are going through trial or suffering hardship, to live before him. Daniel presents to us an alternate path. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, again, we know this decree was written that Daniel shouldn't worship his God. But in verse 10 there we see, Now Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and he went home. He went to his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. Again, how privileged we are. This was Daniel's habit. This was his manner of living, as was his custom since his early days, to come and open his windows towards Jerusalem to pray to the Lord. David also, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man, his sons and his daughters, for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. David's family was kidnapped just like the other men and women's. David was in great distress himself, mourning for his own family, grieved as much if not more as these ones that wanted to stone him. Again, if If you were grieving and there was people that wanted to kill you, it would be easy to be angry, to flee, to hide, to do something other than just fall on your knees and be strengthened in the Lord. But that's what our privilege is. That's what David did. Job, again speaking to his wife, he says, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from the Lord and shall not accept his adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Again, Jonah was living this. He was, was gladly accepting good. He preached to Israel. But when the Lord asked him to do something else, he would not accept that adversity. He chose to reject. He chose to flee. Again, we have these same promises ourselves that sustained Daniel, that sustained David. The same ability to trust in the Lord, to find our hope in him, to hide his word in our heart as Jonah did. In challenging times when we seem to be cast off, overwhelmed, under the flood. We have hope. We have Jesus. I think it was a couple weeks ago, Brother Greg said, to be well-learned is to be well-led. When we hide the word in our heart, when we're grounded on the truth, when we, built, we build our life on the rock, Christ Jesus, his word leads us. Again, we seek him daily for his leading. But the word gives clear direction 
of how we should live and walk in our lives. To be well learned is to be well led. Jonah had this word hidden in his heart. If he had only just relied on it sooner, he would have been in a much better place. In Lamentations 3, uh, I'll just put it up here, but I'll read just 22 and 23, familiar to us. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a great, peaceful reminder is ours. And again, we mentioned this just a moment ago, this passage where Paul was in despair. No need to turn there. I'll just read the second part of that. Remember, we left him. Paul was in great despair even of his life. He said, he goes on to say, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, and whom we can trust, he will deliver us. Despite being in despair in his own life, Paul said, this was brought upon that we not trust in ourselves, but we trust in him who delivers us. This is what the Lord is teaching Jonah, and we'll pick up there next week.